Our church name actually is much of our identity. We are an international church. That's part of the beauty of this church. We celebrate that. We embrace that. We love that. We are evangelical. What I mean by that is we believe the gospel of Jesus Christ is true. We believe the Bible is true. We believe that people come to Christ through personal conversion. We believe the core tenets of the evangelical faith. And we are a church. That is a glorious word, the church. The church is not a building, though we've been blessed with a beautiful building. The church is a people, and we are the people of God. And I, during this time especially, I know the enemy would love for us to experience division amongst ourselves. Conflict is people make different decisions and wrestle with various viewpoints and opinions to divide us over nation, over ethnicity, over race. But we are united in the blood of Jesus Christ. I pray that we do not forget that. We've been in a series called Foundations, where we're looking at the first 11 chapters of Genesis, seeing the foundations of our faith, because if you're going to understand anything, you've got to understand the foundations of your faith to properly understand the gospel, why Christ had to come. So we've been building upon that. We covered the first two chapters, and we saw that it was God. It was indeed God who created, and to create, all He did was speak. He spoke. And it happened. All creation, everything we see, moves at the sound of God's mighty voice. God speaks and it happens. And we pray that God would continue to lead and guide and direct and speak even to us today through his, his word. We God created Adam and Eve, created them glorious, not because they had any glory, but because they were made as a reflection of his glorious image. Yet in chapter 3, we see the most tragic chapter in Scripture. We see sin enter the world. And Adam and Eve, they attempt to cover their sin with fig leaves. Reminds me of a lot of the attempts that we have to fix things in our world. I noticed when rainy season started here in Ethiopia, my driving was greatly affected. All of a sudden, when rainy season started, potholes that I had never seen emerged as the dirt and the stones were uh, washed out of the potholes. And I, my driving had to change to get around those potholes. Yet once the rainy season ended, I noticed that those potholes began to be filled again with rocks and with dirt and covered up. You see, we always try in an insufficient way to fix things. And that was Adam and Eve's first inclination. We've got to cover our exposure. We've got to cover our sin. How are we going to do it? They put fig leaves on and God said, your fig leaves, your good works, your religious practices, your family of origin, your nation of birth, whatever it may be, it is not enough to save you before a holy, righteous God. Now God takes an animal and he kills an animal. And he covers Adam and Eve in the skin of that animal. Well, today we're going to see a story many have heard. It's a story of two ways to live. Two ways that, that everybody on earth is living one of these two ways. And we're going to see the story 
of the first man ever born. We're going to see the first family. We're going to see the first siblings. And we're going to see the first human conflict in the Bible today. We'll be in Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn there with me and please stand for the reading of God's good word. Now Adam knew, his, knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when uh, they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is, your, where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer uh, yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground. From the face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. And whoever finds me will kill me. And the Lord said, not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance will be taken on him sevenfold. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any be found who should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land east of Nod. This is the word of God for the people of God. And all God's people said, praise be to God. You may be seated. Lord, your word says the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word, your word, Lord, stands forever. Lord, unless you speak today, we know nothing of true significance will be spoken here. So speak, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, in verse 1, we see that Adam and his wife Eve, and he named his wife Eve as a testimony of his faith, meaning life. She's going to bring forth life, and she does. And names him Cain. Many have speculated that perhaps Eve, when she gave birth to Cain, thought, this is the promised child. Back in Genesis chapter 3, we saw that in the midst of a curse, God promised someone is coming. A man is coming who's going to crush the head of the serpent. And perhaps she gave birth to this son and thought, this is him. 
He's going to crush that serpent. And then she gives birth to another boy named Abel. Cain, his name means begotten. Abel's name means breath. And it, they're identified by their occupations. Abel is a shepherd. Cain is a worker of the field. It's a picture in some ways. Abel, a pre-fallen man. Cain, a man after the fall, working in the hard fields and the hard soil. And they're identified by their occupation for a reason. God wants us to see something here. In verse 3, it says, In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering. We don't know exactly where they learned about worship of God. That they learned that, hey, you, in order to stand before a holy God, you deserve death, so you've got to approach God with a blood sacrifice. Something must die in your place. You need a substitute for what your sin demands, which is death. We don't know how that was communicated to Cain and Abel, but we're told in verse 3, in the course of time. So between verses 2 and 3, there's been a passing of years between these boys' birth and when this event occurs. So much time has passed that when Cain hears the judgment the Lord puts upon him, he goes, somebody else is going to kill me. There's been enough time for Adam and Eve to have more children, who perhaps had more children, who had more children, so the earth has experienced some population. Some speculate it could have been 130 years because when we see Abel die, there's a boy born to replace him to take on that messianic line named Seth. Seth was, 100, Seth was born when Adam was 130. So we don't know exactly when this takes place, but it's been the course of time. Cain brings an offering of the ground. Abel brings an offering of animals, the fat portions, the firstborn, the very best, and lays his best before the Lord. And Cain gives with a heart that's not right before the Lord. He gives with contempt. And that's what you'll see in an unbeliever and someone who rejects God and denies God. Their worship of God is unacceptable because their worship of God is about themselves. How do I look? I want people to see me sacrificing, so maybe I should sacrifice in some way and put something in the plate. Maybe I should offer something. Maybe I should make sure I sing. Whatever it is, an unbeliever just sort of goes through the motions. But their heart's not right before God. That's how Cain is. He's going through the motions. God asks for a sacrifice. He gives a sacrifice. But it's not acceptable. His sacrifice is not acceptable to the Lord. We don't know the full reason why, but we can see it has to do with his motivation and what he gives. In verse 5, it says, Cain's offering God had no regard. So Cain was angry and his face fell it's the first time we hear that word mention of anger anger is a emotion we feel and anger is a seed emotion that Jesus speaks of in the Sermon on the Mount he says hey you've heard it said don't commit murder but I tell you if anyone is angry with his brother he's already committed murder in his heart so anger when it's full grown it's murder when we're angry with somebody, it's often we want to hurt them. 
We want to see pain brought to them. We want to see destruction brought to them. And if it grows fully, it's murder. No one's ever probably killed a person without having the motion of anger come in first. And that's what he has. He feels anger and his face falls down before the Lord. And the Lord speaks. Oftentimes when we read the Old Testament, people be like, God is so harsh in the Old Testament. That's a grave misreading of the Old Testament. God is gracious. He's compassionate. He's patient in the Old Testament. God always offers repentance to people. If you return to me, I'll hold off judgment. And here to Cain, he says, why are you angry? Why is your face fallen? Verse 7, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is for you. This is the first mentioning of sin in the Bible. Cain and Abel, these boys were born. Born into sin. As soon as they have an opportunity to, they actualize that sin. (coughs) And we're going to see them actualize the sin here. And God gives him a warning. Sin wants to have you. Sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is for you. Turn, Cain. Don't give in to sin. Don't let it rule over you. That's God's gracious cry to us. Don't give in to sin. Don't let sin rule. That's its desire. Its desire is to make you a slave and to rule over you. We also see that Cain in verse 8, he speaks to his brother Abel. Now unbelievers, what you're going to find, they resent the Christian. They resent the child of God, those who trust in God. They want to destroy. They don't like the believer. So Abel here calls his brother out in the field and in verse 8, he rises up and kills his brother. He rejects the word of God. God spoke directly to Cain and he rejects God's word. That's what unbelievers do. They reject the word of God and then sin is allowed to grow. God in his grace said, Cain, don't do it. Don't give in to your sin. He rejects the word of God and goes his own way and kills his brother. We see the first conflict here in Scripture. We see the first murder here in Scripture. It's between two brothers. It's tragic. And we see this still play out again over and over and over in our day. Two brothers have a conflict, have a fight. Instead of extending grace and receiving one another, there's death. And that's what happens here. And ever since this time, the first two people mentioned in the Bible, one of them commits murder. That's the full birth of sin in our lives. And we see it over and over and over again throughout the history of the world. In verse 9, the Lord said to Cain, Your brother, uh, where is your brother? Simple question. God knows where he is. God knows what's happened. God knows what he's done. But the Lord asked him, what have you done? Cain's answer was, I do not know. 
Am I my brother's keeper? He lies. Cain absolutely knows where his brother is. Adam and Eve hid from God. That's what sin does. Cain lies to God. That's what sin does. Unbelievers will shirk the responsibility that God gives them. Am I my brother's keeper? I don't have responsibility for him. He's killed his brother. He refuses to take responsibility of his sin before God. That's the first step in someone trusting in the Lord. We take responsibility for our sin. God, I've sinned. I've sinned before you. I haven't kept your standard. I haven't met your righteousness. I'm a sinner and I'm hopeless. That's the first step. Cain does not repent. Cain does not confess that. Now we talk about sin a lot because it's in Scripture. It's something we battle with continually. But know this. Sometimes churches will fall into the danger of never talking about sin. We don't want people to feel bad about themselves. If we talk about sin, they're going to feel bad. We shouldn't talk about it. That's an affront to Scripture. But there's also another way to talk about sin that isn't healthy as well. To talk about sin all the time and forget that we have victory over sin in Christ. We are victorious. Jesus defeated death. And it's interesting that this very first murder is of a godly shepherd who was killed by his brother. Because the ultimate good shepherd would be killed by his brothers as well. It's a picture we see throughout the Old Testament of a shepherd who lays down his life. A shepherd who dies. And Abel here, he dies. And the Lord tells him, the voice of uh, the ground crawls out. Your work will be difficult. God tells him what's going to happen. Cain, I'm going to let you live, but it's going to be difficult. God is gracious to Cain. He allows him to live and says it's going to be hard. But Cain... In verse 13, he says, My punishment is greater than I can bear. This is often how the unbeliever responds. When we appear before God, we don't like the judgment of God. Nobody likes the judgment of God. Nobody goes, I enjoy that. But that's a reality of Scripture. And as a Christian, we realize we deserve God's judgment. But he doesn't give it to us because he gave it to Christ. Christ received the judgment that you and I deserve. And here, he's uh, being merciful to Cain, but Cain doesn't recognize the mercy of God. That's what an unbeliever always does. Hey, you're a sinner. You deserve eternal separation from God. And they go, why would God punish me? That's unfair. That's what Cain says. My punishment's more than I can bear. This is unfair. Any of you ever hear that in your households, parents, kids? It's not fair. I'll tell my boys often, life is not fair. You want to know what fair is? Fair is that we deserve to be outside the presence of God. What's gracious is he's made a way for us to come and be in his presence through his son, Jesus. That's what's glorious. But Cain here is focused on himself. He says, my punishment is greater than I can bear. He says, I'll be a wonder." On the earth, and God says, I'll put a mark on you to protect you, to watch after you. 
And the Lord is gracious even as Cain is removed from Eden, from the area of Eden. In verse 16 it says, Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord. That's what sin does. Sin removes you from the presence of the Lord. It always does that. That's what it wants to do. Remove you from God's presence. And Cain physically is removed from God's presence. Now what we're also going to see is that Cain's lineage, I said there were two ways at the beginning. We've only seen one way, the way of Cain. Cain's lineage Sin will increase with his children because that's what sin often does. The sinner who glories in his sin inspires others towards sin. Look down in verse 19. Then Lamech took two wives. This man Lamech, he's seventh generation from Cain, Cain's offspring. He takes two wives. That was not God's intent. That was not a good thing. In fact, he names one of them ornament and one of them tinkling. That's what he names them. He's treating these women as possessions for his own pleasure. We see sin grow. Now God said, one man, one woman, the two become flesh. Here it's not the one plus one plus one equals two equals one. Yeah. We see sin grow. And throughout this uh, rest of chapter 4 up until verse 24 we see sin continued to grow with the line of Cain and then here in verse 25 Adam knew his wife again and she gave birth to Seth and Seth will be the one who Messiah will come from one day Jesus Christ will come from the line of Seth he doesn't come from the line of Cain he comes from the line of Seth and we see in chapter 5 it is the godly lineage of, the, of Seth we see it growing. And down in verse 24, I want to highlight a descendant of Seth. Verse 24, Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. A very short verse, but a very powerful verse. This man Enoch who was a descendant of Seth, of the godly line, of the line that had a, uh, a tradition of trusting in the Lord. He walked with God in such a way that God brought him on home. Listen to what Hebrews says reflecting back on this. Hebrews 11.5 By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. We see in Cain's line a rejection of God, a rejection of God's word, a rejection of God's people, murder, death, destruction. And we see in the line of Seth a man who comes who walks with God. We're in times where we see conflict. It's nothing new. Don't be surprised if there's conflict. It's happened throughout the course of human history. The first two boys born, they got in a conflict. We grieve it. We mourn it. We pray for it to end. And church, we are a beautifully diverse body. That's glorious. 
One day we see in Revelation, we're all going to be worshiping God, every tribe, tongue, and nation. I can't wait for that day. We come from different backgrounds, different nations, different ethnicities, different peoples, different ages, different generations. And the enemy would love to divide us along those lines. The church may not be. Our unity is in the blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's where our hope is. That's where our security is. And we continually come back and remind ourselves, Jesus is the hope of the world. And guess what? Even those of you who feel the concern and the fears in different ways, we know that's real. For those who've trusted Christ, we can truly say this. It's going to be okay. We're going to be all right. It's going to work out well. Because we know one day our Savior will return. That's where our hope is. And this day, we're reminded, this isn't your home. You can't get too comfortable here. But Jesus is coming. Our home is in His kingdom. And we wait for the day that He returns. And until He returns, may we be found faithful like Enoch, walking with God. Let's pray. God, our hope is in nothing of this world. Our hope is in you. And Lord, we see in this first conflict between Cain and Abel, murder, death, pain, sin. But we see above all of that the great grace of God offering hope, offering a way, and we thank you for that because a way has been made in Jesus Christ. Lord, as a body, there's great potential in the midst of a difficult season for division. Help us to be gracious with one another, to love one another, to be patient, to be kind, to encourage, to meet one another's needs. But above all, Lord, may we draw near to you, knowing that you are sufficient. Lord, we thank you for the body and blood that's been broken for us the perfect substitute to make us right with God. We thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.